Well, tremendous Thursday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 and also live on Oilers Nation YouTube, where, of course, we'd love to get your feedback. You can text us 833-401-1440 is the text line. It's also our phone line. We're actually going to have a little uh, phone calls. We're getting closer to the start of the regular season. Another week in the NFL. Elks are in action. Tough stretch this week. Of course, they take on the Toronto Argonauts, the defending champs who are just a measly 12-2 and right now. So uh, this will be a tough test for the... If the Elks can keep this game close, like they did against the Bombers, you know what? Then, hey, then to me, you're like, okay, they're getting closer to being a competitive team with the top dogs. I don't think they're there yet, but we'll see how... The game tomorrow uh, shakes down for the green and gold. Oilers back in action tomorrow. Thank goodness. Thank goodness preseason's over. I don't know about you, but <laughs> let's be real. Like last night, oh, like, hey, you know what? You're there. You're an Oilers fan. It's exciting. They're spanking the Calgary Flames. Er, Wranglers. Wasn't that competitive of a game by any stretch of the imagination? Because it shouldn't have been. The orders had to way better players dressed in the lineup, right? Even when um, they are, uh, playing full on both teams, I would argue that the orders, uh, have a little bit, uh, better of a lineup, but, uh, Dan Vladar, Hey, guess what? He gave up seven, but it, wait, it didn't matter. Because uh, Dustin Wolf is starting the season in the American League for the Calgary Flames. He was sent down today. Uh, the Edmonton Orders still have a few moves to make. None today. I think they'll stick with their lineup. Uh, the Orders, if Ryan McLeod is available, they will have three forwards who won't dress tomorrow night. I'm going to guess McDavid and Drysaddle are going to be two of them. Now, if McLeod can't play, then guess what? Those are the only two guys that won't be playing as far as forwards go tomorrow night. On the back end, oh, Nurse Bouchard, do they need to play again? Eh, probably not. Marcus Niemelainen, who, uh, man, how how quickly has he fallen kind of down the depth charts? He hasn't even played the last two preseason games. Kind of get the sense this might be his last year in the organization, perhaps. I think there's a chance there. So, uh, But maybe you'll see him tomorrow. Deneen Gleason. Uh, Brober DeHarnay might play another one. He's already played five, but uh, they might give him a sixth. And you know, we'll see Brett Kulak. Probably not. Uh, Matthias Ekholm, no, no. So we'll uh, we'll look at that. And hey, Matthias Ekholm, are you at all a little concerned? At all a little concerned that he is not yet played a preseason game and uh, doesn't look like he will play one. So share your thoughts. 833-401-1440. It is the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. As mentioned, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where all the experience and the excitement of a casino run on your desktop or mobile device. Go to playalberta.ca, sign up today as a new player, and you will receive the welcome bonus using the promo code SPORTS50. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. So, we got text coming in already. The few things we'll discuss on the show today, of course, uh, the orders. Uh, Thursday night football. Oof. Commanders. This could be a big win for the uh, Commanders, I would think. Uh, Bronte will be by uh, Terry Ryan, uh, Livingston, Mike Rupp, uh, Mike Wilner. We will dissect the uh, Blue Jays' loss in full. And I would just like somebody, anybody, to come out and explain why they pulled Barrio. Don't just say, well, uh, the number. No. Explain in depth why. Because whatever you're... And why do you have a pre-plan that's so set in stone that you can't divert from it? Sports, like, it's human nature. Like, Berrios was rolling. Why take him out? I don't understand it. And guess what? Vladdy Guerrero, Bichette. Yeah, I like that, you know what? They care and they want to be aggressive. Fine. You can't be aggressive and be getting thrown out on the base pass, okay? Not when it's low-scoring games. You can't do it. 
just simply cannot do it. So we'll see where the Jays go from here. They're uh, bats. They could not hit a high fastball to save their life this year. Like you look at the ninth, they didn't look at how many swings for high pitches. Pitchers are just like, yeah, we'll go upstairs. They can't do it. And they couldn't hit it all year long. It's brutal. Absolutely brutal. We will uh, uh, touch on the orders, of course. Matthias Janmark, what are your thoughts? Play center. Raphael Laval, I know he scored last night. I thought he played fine, but so did Lane Peterson. And I know there's lots of angst right now in Edmonton. So I'm, I'm going to list off a, a player for you that I just want you to, uh, I'm not even going to say the player's name because we're going to do a little comparison right now because I have, I have a sense that people in the home city of their team at times might maybe overlook it. So here's a player. Player A is a right winger, six foot three, 220 pounds. Player B, six foot four, 210 pounds, right winger. Player A, has played 169 AHL games, has 55 goals, 134 points. 55 goals, 134 points in 169 AHL games. Player B has 43 goals, 81 points in 136 games. So in 33 fewer games, he has 53 Fewer points. Player A has put up consecutive 50-point seasons in the American League. Has 19 and 21 goal seasons. Player A, Connor Halley, was Igor Sokolov. Six foot three, right shot winger. Young player. More productive in the AHL. Just put on waivers earlier this week. Was not claimed. What's the big difference between Sokoloff and Lavoie? If you if you remove the Oiler fandom, what's the big difference? Just looking here, Sokolov also a second round pick. Yes. So a team that did invest and keep him in the organization, develop, and then parted ways. Well, no, they didn't part ways. They just they just put him on waivers. They had to send him to the minors. They didn't feel he was ready yet. Risk parting ways, I yeah, should say. Sure. Yeah. And uh, he does have thirteen NHL games under his belt. Right? Wasn't claimed. So, like, I know there's a lot of talk. They got to keep LeVar or else he'll get claimed. Are you certain he will get claimed? Or is it, well, I think he'll get claimed, which is fine if you think it, but thinking it and, and actually happening are two different things. Right? So, I just, I wanted to bring that to the conversation because I hear a lot of people say, well, it's got so. Uh, you know, Raphael Lavoie's won the job. It's a no-brainer. They got to keep him. Well, Lane Peterson's played pretty well. And you know what? So I, I went around and I asked three scouts who are outside the organization because, you know, I expect someone in the organization, you know, are they going to say, nah, I don't think the guy's going to get claimed? Well, then there's basically you're telling me you don't think he's going to stay here. So obviously that didn't happen. So from the three scouts outside the organization, pro scouts, by the way, not amateur scouts, and of the three, one said he thinks Lavoie would get claimed. The other two said no. So there's no consensus here. No consensus. What's funny is I asked the same question about Lane Peterson. Guess what? Exact same answer. Different guys, though. One guy who had said no to Lavoie thought, I think Lane Peterson, because he's a right shot center, who's actually a better skater, in his words, not mine, and was more productive at the AHL last year. A little bit older, teams might look and say, well, hey, we think this guy can fill the role. Raphael Lavoie has never played an NHL game. So if you're taking him, it's, you know, you're kind of hoping. Right now, Brett Leeson would be an example. Last year at this time, Washington Capitals put him on waivers. He got claimed. Six foot four, big body, hadn't really produced a ton yet. And uh, now he's in Anaheim. So would a bottom feeder team consider it? Yes. But no bottom feeder team took Sokolov. Now, they might view Raphael Lavoie better, right? But I'm just, if we're just looking at numbers, 
Sokolov would be better. So I understand the angst, but I just think it's valid to point out that far too often, like Ottawa fans were losing it, which is great for Sports Talk Radio. They were losing it on Tuesday. What are the Senators doing? This is terrible asset management. They thought Sokoloff and Bernard Docker, the first round selection, right? He's a first round pick, 26th overall. And he's played 39 NHL games. He was placed on waivers. Wasn't taken. Right shot defenseman. There's not a lot of them around. But obviously teams felt, you know what? Not our guy. And here's what's great about it. Because there's lots of teams that will have a player, similar situation in their own organization. They're like, you know what? We're just going to develop our guy. And then a year later, we've always, we've seen lots of guys who pass through waivers. They stay in the American League. The next year they're in the NHL and they're having lots of success. And you're like, man, I could have got that guy for free. Well, in a year, they can change. That's what makes it good. So, way we go. How much do you buy into the place of birth? Because that is something that I heard Carrie's talk about this morning, a couple texts coming in. Do you buy into the, the French connection with Montreal? Ah, maybe, but I don't think Montreal is just going out there. It's not like Montreal. There's lots of French Canadians that get put on waivers, and Montreal's not claiming every one of them. This isn't circa 1960 and 70 when they had territorial rights on every French Canadian. So it's like when when we always compare, right? Oh, you know, geez, when uh, Yarmo Kekalainen didn't pick Yesopoyarvi, it should have been a massive red flag because a Finn didn't select a Finn. I'm like, well, what about all the Canadian GMs who overlook a Canadian player? I don't hear us talk about, oh, my God, that should be a red flag. Ken Holland, Brad Tree Living, go down the list. They didn't draft him. Right. So sometimes I think I don't know if it's proven. Now, Montreal doesn't have a lot of size. So there's that. But they got a lot of young players. So they might just look and say, well, another young guy. And they might say, hey, we've had lots of French Canadians here and it didn't necessarily work out. There's lots of pressure to be a French Canadian playing in Montreal. It's a thrill, but there's also lots of pressure. So we'll see. My guys, I keep hearing that Montreal will claim him. Ah, you know what? I talked to one guy in Montreal, not a scout, just a media guy around the team, and he didn't think it was a lock that they would. He felt like Montreal's got a fair amount of young guys that, you know, that they want to develop, and you can't develop all the young players at once. Now, Lavoie's different because he's six foot four and he can shoot the puck. But remember, it's, it's also about he's got to play and stay on their roster. So if you look at the Montreal Canadiens, let's go through their forward group right now, right? They got Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak, Joel Armia, Kirby Dock, Tanner Pearson, Alex Newhook. There's nine forwards. Then they got Sean Monaghan, 10. Jake Evans, 11. Yuri Slavkovsky, 12. Michael Pizzetta, 13. And they like Pizzetta. He is fiery. He's an emotional guy, a banger and a crasher. They've also got Raphael Harvey Pinard and Jesse Ilonen, right? Both draft picks of theirs. So is Lavoie a guaranteed lock to go in there ahead of uh, Ilonen or uh, Harvey Picard? Pinard, excuse me. So that's, you know, and I'm, I'm looking now, Pinard, he also has to clear waivers. Right, so it's not like, oh, we can get Lavoie because that allows us to send a young guy down. So I don't think it's a hundred percent lock. You gotta look at the entire, you know, the whole picture. And and it's the same with the uh, Yolanin. He also has to clear waivers. So it's not like they could pick up Lavoie and then send a young guy down. Well, obviously Slavkowski can go down if they want to, but I think he's in a little bit different of a category. So I think it's a good question. I just don't think it's a, it's a lock that he's taken is all I'm saying, right? Hey, guys, I think the worry the law is directly correlated with being French-Canadian. Not saying it's valid, just thought. Eh, maybe, right? Maybe. Hey, Gregor, could you ask those scouts if Yanmark would get claimed too? Sam from Vancouver. Sam, the Oilers, Matthias Yanmark. Matthias Yanmark's a solid player. Again, don't get caught up because you saw some analytics. They don't tell the whole story. 
They really like Yanmark for what he is. He's incredibly responsible. Honestly, I don't care what the analytics say. Sometimes you have to look past the analytics. Go show me video evidence of Matthias Yanmark turning the puck over and making bad defensive decisions. Right? He just doesn't do it. I I don't see the Oilers are going because the Oilers are going. It's a cup year for them. They want to have as many reliable players as they can. Now, you know what? Maybe come trade deadline, they acquire a few wingers and maybe Yanmark's out. It's very possible. Right? It's very possible. But this guy's played almost 500 NHL games. Right? He is uh, he scored double digits in goals, what, I think four times. So he you kind of know what he gets, right? He's a 25-point player. He's had 25 points three times, 21 once, 34, 29. I'm going to say he's a 25-point guy. He's had 19 as well, right? So that's kind of actually knows 24. Pretty damn consistent. 25, 25, 24, 21, 25, 34, 29. Can you get much more consistent than that? So, no. I don't see the orders. Um, Yanmark, I think, is is looking better this year than he was uh, last year. And I actually didn't mind him at center last night. I didn't play a ton of minutes. But I don't mind it at all. Hey, guys, if they're claimed, do they have to stay in an NHL roster all year? Well, if Montreal claims him, he has to stay on the roster. If they opt to send him to the minors, then he goes back on waivers. If no other team puts a claim in for him, the Oilers can claim him and send him to the minors. That's how it works. But if another team does put in a waiver claim, now the Oilers, here's how it works. The Oilers, let's say, you know, it's a team better than them in the standings. Boston, for instance. Right? There wasn't that many teams for the first month of the season. It's based on last year's standings. Right? So, you know, Vegas, Boston. There's what? I think with the orders finished eighth last year in points, seventh, eighth, whatever it was. All Carolina, Jersey, all those teams ahead. If one of them puts a claim in and the orders do, then the orders can get them, but then they have to keep them on the NHL roster. If no one puts a claim in, that's when you can send them to the minors. That's how it works. All right? So. I think it's a good conversation. I just don't think it's a 100% stone-cold lock that they do. I also get the perception that this is a draft pick. This is a guy we've developed. And Peterson, yeah, we just signed him. And and to be honest, I think they signed him, in theory, to be their first-line center in the American League and help some of the young guys. I, I can't get that confirmed from anybody in the organization, but that's kind of what I think. And they're like, hey, he can be our first line down there. If he gets recalled, he's got 70, almost 80 NHL games. He can fill in for 10, 15 games and we'll be okay. And I think we've seen that from Peterson. He doesn't look out of place. So that's where it is there. You can always text us 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. Hey, guys, wave Yanmark with 200K compared to Lavoie. you save now, you had a player worth a million at the deadline. No one claims Yanmark guaranteed. It's about, I think the orders are here to win, you know, saving a little bit in cap space. Well, that's a nice bonus. I don't view it as the uh, as the main factor for them. They're going to be a 21-man roster uh, regardless, right? Yanmark's a million dollars, and Lavoie, it's actually not even 200 grand, right? Because Lavoie is what, 894? 874. So it's $125,775. That's exactly what you're saving. So it's a little bit, but it's not. You know, I, I don't think that's the uh, that's the deciding factor in that regard. So, hey guys, I think the one difference is one guy's Russian. There's some concerns about young Russian players for non-hockey reasons, right or wrong, from Honest Ed in regards to uh, Sokolov. Yeah, but he's been in North America all this time. Is it? Is that really it? I I think there's more. Some people wonder if he's got the skating ability at the NHL level. I think that's probably more of the issue at this point. But you are right at times. Is there some unconscious bias? I think there is. I think that's a fair point, Honest Ed. I think that's valid. Quick break. Uh, Bronte will join us next. It's the Jason Greger Show live on Sports 1440 and Orders Nation YouTube from the E-Well Studio, E-W-E-L. 
Ca. Rolling through a lovely Thursday afternoon, baby. We're getting closer. Five days to the NHL season beginning. Six for the orders. And mercifully, only one preseason game remaining. I'm telling you, I'm tapped out. Tapped out. I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, Jamie Drysdale and the Ducks have agreed to a contract. Three years, $2.3 million. So, hey, give the GM credit. He didn't blink. He kind of had a number. We got Zegris and Drysdale done, both at three years. 5.75 for Zegris, 2.3 for Jamie Drysdale. They got a boatload of money if they want to spend it. I don't expect them to because I don't think the Ducks are going to be that good. Uh, also, the orders, if you missed it, uh, Brady Stonehouse signed uh, an entry-level contract with the uh, orders. Uh, undrafted player was in camp, and uh, they signed him to a deal. Now, they must have signed it because I thought the rule was when you sign a person to an ATO, which is an amateur tryout, then you're the only team that can sign them if they're still draft eligible. But then... If you want to sign him, you have to sign him before he's sent back to junior. So maybe they just didn't announce this deal. But I got to double check with that with uh, um, some uh, cap people. But I thought that was the rule that you have to, before you release him back to junior, because once you release him back to junior, then no one can sign him because he's still draft eligible. So they must have had the paperwork. It's just not announced until today. But uh, good for him. So, uh it's a $950,000 cap hit for him. Jeez. Not bad. It's a $95,000 signing bonus. So they got to like uh, Stonehouse, a little bit of energy that he brings. We shall see. We shall see. Let's get to the uh, oil report now brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton. Need a new vehicle? Maybe you're looking for a, a demo or a certified pre-owned Volvo. Stop in right now, VolvoEmonton.com, and you can get one for 1.49% financing. Pretty sweet deal at Volvo Edmonton. As we uh, welcome in Robin Brownlee, a.k.a. Ruben Bronte. And uh, Rubes, I, I, I'd outlined uh, Sokoloff in Ottawa, who's six foot three, 225 pounds, right shot. He's had back-to-back 50-point seasons in the AHL. He has uh, 134 points in the AHL compared to mm-hmm. Lavoie's 81, and no one claimed him. No one claimed Docker. I know a lot of people are like, oh, my God, if the orders wave Lavoie, he's 100% lock. I don't think it's a lock. I'm not even sure they're going to wave him. He might make it on the roster, but I, I do wonder kind of where they sit if, if they're concerned about him getting claimed or not. Well, you know, it's been overstated many times, as you mentioned, Jason, Oh, he's gone for sure if, if, if we risk it. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. The thing that strikes me with Lavoie, uh, and you've made the Montreal connection, uh, it's a matter of need. It's not so much because uh, he's the Quebecois kid. It's because he's a big, strong kid on a lineup that's not big and strong. And, and that's one thing that the Habs can use. You can all, always use a big player with a good shot and nice hands. But when he comes with the size that you're lacking up front, and we've said it many times, you can't win with all the same players. They can't all be big guys who can't necessarily move that well, or they can't all be scooters who can get around quick, but they're Smurfs. You need a mix. And Lavoie would provide Montreal, just to name one team, with something they lack. So I can see it as a possibility. Probability, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody in Montreal. Yeah, I talked to two people, not not from the organization, and they weren't certain because I went through, we went through Montreal's roster, and yeah. you know what? They've got a few young guys themselves that have played three years in the American League that they're humming and hawing about themselves on, well, geez, if we put this guy in waivers, are we going to lose him? So... Um, I don't think it's 100% lock that uh, that Montreal automatically, because he's French-Canadian, uh, would go there. But, uh, you know, Lavoie played well again, but so did Lane Peterson. Like, they're not making the decision easy, which has to make Jaycroft fairly happy, right? Like, the, Lane Peterson, I thought, played solid. Um, I also like Matthias Janmark at center ice last night. I, I like just how he's strong on the puck. Like, he's kind of thick, right? He's not overly tall, 
but he's heavy. He's heavy on his stick. Um, he won quite a few battles, I noticed. And I like his size and strength in the middle more than Derek Ryan. He he reminds me a little bit. I'm not talking about goal, goal scoring, but body type of a stocky guy like a Phil Kessel. Uh, not quite as heavy, but the thing about Janmark is this, uh, and coaches love it. You know what you're going to get from Janmark every time he goes out the gate. He's a consistent player who does a lot of things well. He's reliable. And how would you look at Matthias Janmark after how he's played this preseason and say, nah, you haven't done enough uh, – you haven't done enough to get a roster spot. Uh, I like I like Janmark just fine. He's not a sexy, dazzly player, but he's a reliable, consistent uh, guy who gives coaches uh, exactly what they're looking for. And tell you what, guys who can be great and guys who can be bad and have big swings in their performance, they make coaches old before their time. Uh, Janmark doesn't do that. He gives you pretty much the same thing every time out. Um, I look at, at where do you come out on Lavoie? Do you think he's won the job? Uh, I wish I could get inside the mind of, of Jay Woodcroft. Uh, they like him. Um, has he won the job? Has he? Is there anything that's, that he hasn't done that if you were on that coaching staff, Jason, you, you would say, yeah, but we haven't seen this, or I'm not, uh, we're not seeing this, this or that from the kid. I haven't th- thought he's been great, but he's finished, and you want that from him, and you don't have to coach or try and teach size because you either have it or you don't. And if he has a roster spot and he feels like he belongs, there's a boost in confidence that comes with that. Even if you're playing against full NHL lineups, if you feel like you belong and you're convinced of it, you can play like you do. So has he won a job? I think so, but I don't know so. Robin Brownlee joins us. Rubes, um, no Matthias Ekholm. He's nowhere to be seen. He's not even skating with the team. Uh, I know they keep saying he's going to be ready, and maybe he will, but it does seem a little odd. Yeah, and it wouldn't be the first time that a team has uh, understated, uh, you know, uh, an injury uh, to a player. You know, I, I don't get it. I We don't know that that's the case. He could pop back into the lineup and uh, – make us look like fools. I mean, many, many years ago, we thought Ryan Smith was going to, was on his deathbed to hear the coaches talk about it. And when he came roaring out underneath the oil, Derek, like he had a rocket booster in his butt, everybody looked at each other like, what the heck? They basically pulled the wool over on everybody. I don't think they're doing that with Ekholm, but are they going to give us a clear picture? I don't know. You, you know what? I don't think you can just veteran or not. We've talked about, well, he doesn't need that much time. True, relatively speaking, compared to a young, unproven guy, but you're not going from the trainer's table uh, into 22 minutes a night uh, in a game situation uh, without some struggle along the way. So I'd love to get a clearer picture of what's happening with him. I don't know. Is there any indication that he can get in in the last game? No, he's not. He hasn't skated with the team today. There's no chance he's playing tomorrow. So yeah, so you're. I don't think he plays in the first game of the season either. Then, so you're going to you're down one game right there. The thing with Ekholm, Jason, for me, you not only lose what he brings, and we saw that when he came over from Nashville last year, it changes the look of that of that back six. A fair amount. What are your pairings now? Um, if you take Ekholm out. You you just spot DeHarnay in there and and where where do where does CC play? Uh, where does Kulak play? You can move Kulak and CC into the second spot. Are you bringing Broberg down and playing him with DeHarnay? I don't know. It, it changes the dynamic. Well, CC and Kulak have played all preseason together, so I think if, you know yeah. if if he's not there, Jay Woodcroft still believes he'll be ready for game one. So we'll, we'll have to mm. see. Obviously, he's got to, to me. He's got to be on the ice by, by Sunday. They don't skate Saturday, so 
Uh, he'd yeah. ha- I'd have to think he'd be on the ice uh, Sunday. Although I guess maybe even Monday gives him two practices, maybe because the, the, they practice Tuesday morning and then they fly right to Vancouver Tuesday. But I gotta think he would have to skate at least Monday if he's uh, if he's gonna play. Not. Um, I've heard different reports that he's he's skated on his own. Which is, uh, which is one thing, but skating on your own and then skating with a group are totally different. Ryan McLeod, we saw with the group. And, uh, I wonder yep. if that means we might see him in, uh, in a game tomorrow night. I think they'd like to get him in. We'll see. Uh, Jack Campbell has had two starts. He's played excellent in those two starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people are wondering now, oh, it's Jack Campbell. And hey, you know what? Uh, it's a recency bias, which is totally fine. Um, you know, Jack Campbell, there's a few things. Number one, Jack Campbell, everybody's like, well, he looks bigger. Well, yeah, because he got rid of his 1970s, uh, uh, sh- uh chest protector. He got a bigger chest protector. He also played, you know, they, they did make some technical changes to his game. And the biggest one being that I've noticed, and I, and I text Kevin Woodley uh, when I watched, uh, the game in Seattle, asked him, cause, what Campbell used to do, because the games change, you used to, the goalies used to be like, okay, if you're going left to right, you got to really sell out on that because guys were shooting. But now in the NHL, they're going across the ice and then they're coming back again. And so if mm-hmm. you, if you sell out too much on the first one, well, now you're out of position. You're screwed trying to get back and you don't have time to do it. And the thing I've noticed with Campbell is we see him going from A to B to C much more controlled. Well, the thing with Campbell, and if I'm not mistaken, Jason, he's actually lost a little weight from last year. So physically, he's smaller. Um, you know, the equipment changes that dynamic. But does it really matter? We've talked about this, and it's a good debate around town. I don't know that it really matters who starts game one. Um, he's been really good. Was it 66 out of 68 shots, last 68 shots or whatever? He can, you know, he can play, he can wrap up the preseason and then go, uh, to start the regular season. No problem. If he doesn't, um, and it's Skinner, is that a big deal? I think it gets overstated sometimes. Uh, what you want, and, and, and we've talked about it. You want these guys pushing each other all the way. Well, there are some jobs that are going to be decided before the end of camp and are already decided for that matter. The goaltending situation is something that's ongoing. What did Jay call it? A living, breathing thing the other day. And if you want to call it that, fine. But you know what? The best guy gets the net. And if that changes throughout the year, you know, you might have to do away with the old starter and backup designation. It doesn't matter what you call them as much as it matters that you got a couple of guys playing well and that you feel good about putting them in there. The problem last season was Campbell fell off the edge of the earth after at the start. Skinner jumped in and was very good and took the starter's job, got a new contract. Everybody, okay, now it's the kid. Well, no, we weren't saying that in the playoffs when he was struggling a bit and Campbell came in and, albeit in limited minutes, was the better goaltender. So it ebbs and flows, and I think it's going to do that this season. So whether it's Campbell or Skinner, it doesn't matter much to me, and I would suggest it it probably shouldn't matter as much to some people who are making a big deal of it either. Connor Brown, what's your realistic expectations for him? You mean as far as numbers go this year? Yes. I tell you what, um, but I, what I got a kick out of was seeing the, uh, what did uh, Frank Saravalli refer to it as the the Godfather offer when he when he met with uh, uh, Connor McDavid or for dinner in Toronto. You know what? If Connor McDavid wants him here this badly, and it's clear that he did. And it doesn't matter. It's not for old time's sake, but he knows the guy and he wants to see, he thinks he can succeed here. I think if, if the knee holds up, um, I think, I think Connor Brown playing with McDavid for over the course of a full season, yeah, lines change. I get it. Uh, but getting a, the bulk of his playing time alongside Connor McDavid uh, with the way he can finish, because his hands, his hands didn't stay on the training table. You saw last night uh, a couple of nice shots. I mean, one was tight in close, but he still got the puck away quickly. I think Connor Brown can be a 25-goal. Uh, 
60-point guy playing along Connor McDavid. I don't think that's ridiculous to expect. He's had 20 or better twice, and I think 25 is uh, easily within reach if he plays with McDavid because he's going to get some power play time as well. Uh, Maybe on the second unit. We'll see. Rubes, have yourself a good one. We will uh, chat with you next Thursday. Okay, Jason. See you. That's uh, Robin Brownlee, a.k.a. Ruben Bronte. Uh, You look at Connor Brown, and you know what? First of all, the thing I noticed last night, his first goal, really nice shot. The thing that Connor McDavid is going to do to a lot of players, he's going to put the puck on your stick in a good shooting area. If you can, fi- I don't expect him to bury everyone. I don't expect him to bury 50% of them. Man, you can bury 20%. That's unreal. Right? Because I, now I know that shooting percentage 20% is high. I'm not talking every shot. I'm just talking the really good chances. Right? Because you're going to get some shots at other distances that are, you know, more savable for a goalie. I like Brown, his first shot. Very nice. The second one is in a sharp angle, but he puts it where the goalie can't stop it upstairs. Those are nice finishes. And his, there was one other thing. Did you notice there was a little scrum and Connor Brown, like zero hesitation, bolted in there and grabbed the guy who was grabbing. And there was nothing really even going on. And Jay Woodcroft pointed out that Brown is very vocal on the bench. The orders have historically been a little bit of a quieter team. They need guys like that. I know it might be a small thing, but those all small things add up and. You know, Connor Brown, in where he can go this year, I'm uh, I'm quite intrigued to see. Like, if he stays healthy, I'll be stunned if he doesn't have career numbers. Right? He's he's put up decent numbers before. I think he'd have career numbers. His style, how he plays, fits with McDavid. He's a relentless worker, skates well. He's got decent enough hands, thinks the game. I think it's a good fit. Jason Greger showing him to. Sports Authority, Sports 1440, and Orders Nation YouTube. Uh, We will return. And uh, when we come back, could be be ugly. Very ugly. We'll discuss it next. Thursday afternoon continues on. Love it. The text line is hopping. 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. Get in there. I like it. We'll get to lots of your uh, texts on a variety of things. I like it. I like it a lot. Now, let's get to the NFL report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one full year on your furnace. Make sure you're warm. Don't wait till it's too late. Get in now. Plan ahead. You'll be warm when those uh, bitterly cold evenings are eventually coming. We know it's happening. We just don't know when. Just don't know when. Talk a little uh, NFL. It is the uh, Thursday nighter tonight. And you know what? There's potential here for some uh, offensive fireworks based on uh, what we've seen from uh, both of these teams uh, lately offensively and uh, mainly uh, what we haven't seen from the Chicago Bears defensively. It uh, could be tough. Uh, from ABC Chicago and ESPN Chicago host Dion Miller joins us in uh, Dion. Oof. Uh, it was Justin Fields' <laughs> best passing game of his career, but then they blew a huge lead. And, you know, the Bears' defense is terrible right now. They can't get to the quarterback. So, um, like, I know in Chicago, like, they're still considered, like, they love their defense. How frustrating is it for Bears fans uh, that they can't defend? The first fan I ran into, Jason, here in Washington tonight had a T-shirt on that said, sell the team, if that gives you any indication of how everyone is feeling right now. And I love the fact that you're having me on because I feel like now we've reached international levels of futility. Um, it is. It has been bad. It has been bad. There is no way around it. That game last week was a absolute heartbreaker, and they did everything right. They did everything right until that fourth quarter, and it, it like they they gave away a victory that they desperately need. And now here they come into a short week, not much time to prepare, not much time to change much. Uh, the secondary is beat up. Washington is a competitive team that's going to fight till the end. And I just don't have a lot of faith that our Bears are going to be there. They're rehearsing the beginning of the game yeah. right now behind me. So I'm going to walk a little bit and hopefully get some better audio for you. I apologize. Oh, no problem. I love it. You're doing this right from the sidelines at the Thursday Nighter. <laughs> um, 
You know, there, there's I've seen some people, uh, Peter King and others, speculating if the Bears lose that they're going to get rid of the coach. And I'm like, well, you can get rid of the coach, but why? He he didn't build the team. He didn't trade Khalil Mack, who just had six sacks himself, for goodness sakes. Oh. Like, like to me, that seems like an easy guess that they would fire the coach. And I understand the theory because it's a bye week and would give the coach more time, yada, yada, yada. But does it really solve anything in your eyes? Like, is coaching no. the reason they're 0-4? I mean, it's part of the reason. I think everything's involved at this point as to why they are 0-4 and, and have lost 14 in a row on his watch. Someone needs to be held accountable, yes. But in 100 years of Bears football, they've never fired a coach midseason. And I just don't think that they're looking at it as 2022 and 2023 are the same thing. I think they're looking at it as it's still week five, it's still early, and that there's time. I mean, but it's Peter King, right? Like, that's educated mm-hmm. speculation, right? Like, he knows he's got contacts that talking to people that would make that anyone think that that's possible. And I suppose it is. I would be shocked if they make that move because it isn't all Matt Eberflus's fault. But everyone has a plays a role in this. The main difference is that this year they've made a change in team president. And Kevin Warren is very smart. He's very connected around the NFL. And he is one who may be quicker to pull the trigger on something like that and say, we need to make a change. We need to get everyone's attention. But as for, far as for us in the media, what we've been discussing is to what end? Like, who would they... We might have to uh, reconnect with uh, Dion. And that's a good question, right? Because people always say, hey, let's fire the coach, fire the coach. But uh, who are they going to replace him with, Dion? That's always the, the it's it's an easy hey, let's fire the coach, right? It doesn't take much thought to say fire the coach, but then uh, who you're going to replace him with obviously becomes a, a much a much more bigger challenge to see. Um, and, and lots of times, and by the way, that stat, Dion, uh, we'll reconnect with her. I didn't know the Bears have never fired a coach midseason. I don't know why that surprises me. But it caught me off guard a little bit. For some reason, you know, most teams you'd think at some point in their uh, in their season might have just said, you know what? We're done. We're making a change. They've been around for that long, but they've never fired a coach midseason. It's amazing to me. So now, does that mean like at any point during the season, from week one till the end of the year, they wait until the final game? Now, now I'm curious. I'd like to know. Like, I don't think there's an NHL team now. NHL is obviously a little bit longer of a season. But I wonder how many other NFL teams have uh, have never fired a coach mid uh, mid season. That would uh, that would be a little uh, surprising to me. And uh, Dion is back uh, with us. And so, first of all, Dion, I love that little stat: the Bears have never fired a coach mid season. I didn't know that, and now I'm curious to see if there's any other teams in the NFL who haven't done it. But is there anybody on the staff that you think like you could self promote? Because to, first of all, to go out and get a coach now is kind of pointless because any of the best candidates won't be available. Uh, it's, it's very true. So you would think they would promote from within, but I'm not sure what that would look like at this point. I mean, Luke Getzey has never been a head coach. He's kind of, he's the offensive coordinator, yes, working closely with Justin Fields, but I'm not sure that he's ready to be the entire, like the, the coach of the team. And of course they don't have a defensive coordinator right now. That falls on Matt Eberflus, the head coach right now. So I don't know what direction they would really go in. And, and again, I, I think like, so, it feels it feels like whatever they would do right now is a band-aid, right? I mean, we we were joking that this is like a Jeff Saturday moment. Bring in a high school coach, bring in anybody. Like it doesn't matter at this point. Like what will it change? I don't know that it will do anything and I kind of have a feeling knowing the McCaskey family that owns the Bears, I knowing who they are, I don't it, they wouldn't make this decision without some sort of a plan. Um so so that's kind of that's I I just would be surprised. I mean, it could get ugly tonight. There's that's not a secret I wouldn't be shocked if it is. I don't at this point anticipate the Bears coming out and being like the, like a different team than they've been all season so far. So I I assume a loss. I assume tomorrow will be the same. I don't think that they'll make a big change. Dion Miller uh, joins us from Chicago. And, uh, hey, Washington's offense has looked pretty good some weeks, right? Uh, you mentioned the secondary's yeah. banged up. So who do you think's going to get the assignment to try to shut down McLaurin, who now that he's healthy, is you know he looked really good last week. He looks really good. I mean, they, they, their what their options are are rookies, young guys. Tyreek Stevenson has been has been decent in the secondary, but not consistent. I mean, he's a rookie. Um, they are looking. They're hoping that Jaquan Brisker, who has been very good, um, can go tonight. He popped up on the injury report yesterday. They're going to work him out here before the game and see if he's able to go. But they can't afford to not have their best players back there in a moment like this when they desperately need to slow down the commanders. And 
And like I said, they're very. This is a competitive Commanders team. You saw what they did on Sunday. Like they, they don't give up. They forced overtime with Philly. Like and the Bears are not the Eagles. <laughs> so I, I just I worry about what what this night could bring for the Bears. Dion Miller joins us from ESPN Chicago, also ABC Chicago. Going back to the Bears offense, I've seen some people wondering, are they running an offense that fits Justin Fields? Right now, he just had his best passing game of his career. Granted, it's against the Broncos, so maybe we got to take it, but it's you got to start somewhere. What do you make of the offensive play calling? Is it is it playing to his strengths as a quarterback? You know, sometimes I think that it is. Um, and then sometimes I think that they're asking him to be someone other than he actually is. Like, he is a an athlete, no question. Um, but they're, he's, he's playing quarterback, in, and they almost have a member that week where he was like, I'm thinking too much, and maybe it is they're, co- they're over-coaching me. I don't, I don't think that that is, is that far off. I think they're putting so much in his head, and he has spent the last eight, nine months since the season ended – thinking I'm great runner everybody knows I'm a great runner but I'm not a great passer and I need to be better in that regard I need to stay in the pocket I need to be a pocket passer and that's not who he is so I think they're still trying to evolve the offense around him and find that rhythm for him um I, I want him to be good the Bears want him to be good the the fans want him to be the one um because we've spent so many seasons of essentially using backup quarterbacks as starters and hoping that it works out. Like, we just really need a difference maker behind center, and everyone wants that to be Justin. I'm just not sure. I mean, they upgraded everything around him. This is the no-excuses season for him, right? Like, he has to figure it out. And we saw sparks of it last week. You don't know how much of that is going to be just that it was Denver or are they able to carry some of that over into this, especially on a short week. So, so I don't know. I don't know if they're totally meeting him where he's at. Um, I think it's all kind of they're working through it right now um, and trying to figure out what he can be, uh, knowing that they want him to be the guy. Like, they want him to find that success. And you know what? For the Bears, like they got a chance to have two top five picks. Heck, they could have the top two picks. I'm not sure how good Carolina is yeah. going to be this year. So they got to be patient. Then my other thing is going to be so – if they get to the end of the season and, you know, they're still struggling and it Fields shows growth, do you think they're still going to go at a quarterback with one of those two? Or could Fields convince them, hey, we got a chance here to get two other really good positions or trade one of those picks because someone wants a quarterback and get a boatload and really fill out our roster around Fields? You know, that is, that's a major question that we still have to wait to play out. you got to believe, though, GM Brian Foles was very smart in setting his team up for that. Like, still, when he made those moves, to potentially have the top two picks or at least two top ten picks that he was aware that there were still question marks surrounding his quarterback and he's aware of what's available next year. But but I have to say, like even if the Bears are in that position and they're able to draft a Caleb Williams, you have to have the right coaches around him. And I will be honest, a defensive-minded head coach is not the direction I would go when you're bringing in someone like that. <laughs> right now the fear yeah. is how would the Bears screw this up, right? Like, <laughs> so I, I, there would have to, have to be other changes around him to make okay. sure that they're setting this kid up for success. And then lastly, uh, you mentioned how that you know your head coach is also your defensive coordinator. So you're not even really putting him in the yeah. best position to succeed. He's doing a lot of stuff. No. Why don't they like? Why don't they have a DC? Well, their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams. Uh, oh yeah, right. Sorry. The team. Yeah. Yeah, that was the disaster that went on there. And so they that's that's the other thing. Jason, they all all we've four weeks into the season. It feels like week twelve. I mean, we've covered so much with this team and it's been off the field. Way far too much non football talk to get to this point. And so they said that uh that Eberflus would continue to call defensive plays. Um, and through the end of the season, that's the plan that they have right now and I don't see that changing. No matter what wins and losses aside, I don't see that changing. Yeah, that's fair. I really, uh, really appreciate your time, Dion. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for sticking with us, uh, giving a little uh, a bird's eye view of the uh, field tonight. And uh, it should be rocking. I know uh, uh, it'll be rocking despite the outcome, or regardless of the outcome, I should say. So enjoy that. I will. And if you ever need me to give Connor Bedard updates, I'm Ooh. happy to do that. When hey. get hockey. Oh, trust me. We <laughs> will. Uh, though, uh, something tells me that they're, you know what, uh, Chicago's a really good sports city. And uh, obviously, with the uh, the Hawks' success from 2010 to to 15, with three Stanley Cups, and now they get you know they they luck out and get Bedard in the lottery, that he'll probably be a pretty big story there this year. 
I think he is he is the source of all of our hope right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dion. I appreciate your time. Anytime, Jason. Thanks. Dion Miller from uh, ESPN. Hey, I love it when they offer to come back on. Connor puts her in the old speed dial. So uh, we'll bring uh, Dion back on for sure. And the uh, the Bears. Whew. Now, I didn't even look at what the line is. But I'm guessing, Connor, it's, uh, I might have to check it to, at playalberta.ca. But whew, something tells me uh, Washington will be a fairly heavy favorite tonight. You know what? Six points. That's it, eh? So if you want to head over to play Alberta, Jeez. yeah, yeah, you could get the push, even if it is six points. So I could get, I could get Washington, and uh, well, they just got to win by six. Oh, I don't mind that. I mean, you could take it even further. You could go uh, eight, and that's a nice little payout there. Mm, well, check that out. It's uh, playalberta.ca. Uh, coming up in the uh, next hour, uh, Terry Ryan will join us. Uh, Livingston will go racing. We have Mike Rupp coming up, uh, talking all things uh, NHL. We're going to focus a little bit on the Metro division today with uh, Rupper. Uh, one other thing. Here's a little stat for you that I uncovered today. Did you know, since the NHL went to the current playoff format in 2014, where you have... Two divisions in each conference. The top three in each division make it. Then there's two wildcard teams. The Pacific Division has never had five teams. The Central has had five make it out of the eight years because 21 and uh, 20 don't really count because A, there was a Canadian division, and B, in 2020, they had like 24 teams in the playoffs. Kind of a farce. But anyway, in the eight years, it's never happened. The Atlantic Division, also in the East, never has had five. The Metro has had five three times. I think this is the first season coming up where you will see five Pacific Division teams in the playoffs. I think Dallas, Colorado, and Minnesota are going to make it. But there's going to be five. Edmonton, Vegas, L.A., and then two of Seattle, Calgary, and Vancouver. And I think it might be both Canadian teams. I don't know. Just as Calgary was awful in overtime and shootouts last year, and they still only missed playoffs by two years. And Jacob Markstrom was terrible. I just can't see him being that bad again. I think the Flames get in. Jonathan Huber had a brutal season. They still only missed the blast by two points. And uh, if Demko is healthy, Vancouver gets in. So that's my thoughts. Pacific Division fans, five of them. First time ever this year. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley and a Sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering. Specialize in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com.